Abba Yahweh, thank you for this day, the opportunity to share your word with anyone who would listen. Bless the reading of any scriptures shared by God. Deliver this word. Holy Spirit, tug on the hearts. Pull them towards you. Those that are undecided to just say, yes, Lord, I want you in my life. I want my life to change. I want to have faith in God. I want to have the Holy Spirit guide my steps. I want to live with you forever and see my loved ones and not perish. Abba Yahweh Aman. Yeshua Aman. Parakito Saman. So, it always seems like I started out that way. So, and that's okay. But let's check something out here, shall we? Um, Holy Spirit and I were having a, well, yeah, conversation. But here's the thing. It came up. And the question is this. Who is this guy, Jesus, the anointed of God, Christ? Who is this guy? Well, for me, in my heart, and in my mind, he is my Lord. He came for me. He was crucified for my sins. And any one of you out there can make it a personal relationship. It isn't just you talking about you. You can, you can make it. I've already shared with you that the Lord God does not mind that you make his word a personal word. You're not rewriting the Bible. It's for your sharing, your personal relationship, your abiding with Lord God Almighty. And to say things like, what was he thinking? He was thinking about me. He's my Lord, my Savior. You don't, you don't have to talk to him as if he's a third-person individual. There are three. Remember, I shared that plumbing secret with you, a union. You could take one piece of pipe, thread on a union, and then thread in another piece of pipe, and it's one continuous piece, watertight, and you can use it to flow water. Then, when you no longer want it in that particular place or what have you, you can take it apart and you have three separate pieces. But they can be one. Same thing with Father God, Jesus, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit. They can be one, they can be separate, they can operate separately, and they can bind together. Our Father God in heaven, our Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to guide us, teach us. When Jesus was leaving this plane of existence, when he told the disciples he had to go, but he would make sure that another came in his place and that God would send the Comforter. Don't forget what I shared with you also. What good is a comforter if you don't use it? If you fold it up and you put it back on the back of a couch to look at, 
and there's a little chill in the air and you go to put your hand on that and then you have somebody tell you, oh, no, 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 no. You can't use it. That's just to look at. What good does it do? You spend the money on it or perhaps it was given to you by a relative that was handmade by great-grandma or auntie or something and you don't want to use it. You just want to look at it. It's pretty. It's got some nice decoration and all that but you just put it on the back of the couch to look at it. Don't use it. Back of a chair to look at. You don't want to touch it. You don't want to use it. Oh my goodness gracious, you can't possibly do that. Well, same relationship goes with the Holy Spirit. You know, you can pray and talk to the Holy Spirit and pray through the Holy Spirit as well. And if you don't use it for your guidance, if you don't pray the Holy Spirit's guidance and you don't use your prayers in that way and you don't call on the Holy Spirit to guide you and help you, what good is the Holy Spirit? What good is that even being there if you don't ever utilize the Holy Spirit? If you don't ever talk to God? What is your point? Let's put it this way. It's pointless. You don't talk to God, you don't pray to Jesus, you don't you don't use Jesus to get in and you don't pray to the Holy Spirit, the triune spirit that is our Father God. Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide. It's pointless if you don't pray and you don't worship and you don't pay attention and you don't have faith. Absolutely pointless. It's kind of like when you pick up a pencil and there's no lid. You can't use it. It's useless because it's pointless. Can't write with it, no lead. What's my point? My point is that you need to be in prayer. So back to this guy, Jesus. Who was this guy? Who is this guy? He is my Lord, he is my Savior, he's my Redeemer, he's my salvation. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the king above all kings and he is coming back for me so here we go again we're going to go over here and the gospel according to John I love this book. Not only was it written by, oh, there's all sorts of theological names that Yahoo's on this planet have decided to give it this guy. John the Beloved. A lot of names that they have decided that they want to attach to him. You know, it's a funny thing, I, you know, want to get off on that too far but you know theologians are those that claim that have that theological degree and they want to rename individuals and give them all these labels they are who they are they were who they were and you have to remember that they walked with Jesus they shared with Jesus 
They learn from him. And now they're in heaven with him. <laughs> but here, in pretty much a nutshell, if we can put it in that term, as I told you, I might not be the most eloquent speaker when it comes to it. I mean, I can write good stuff, but when it comes to just being it here and sharing the truth and this word, I just put it to you. I'm just nuts and bolts. But here is who Jesus is. He was and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the truth. The one who came to set you free. You free. Hear me, anyone out there that has an ear. <coughs> Open your spiritual hearing. This is specifically you. I am pointing right at you. Yes, you. I came to set you free. As the Holy Spirit controls your mind and actions more fully, you become free in the Lord. It's always more abiding, more prayer, more reading, more just being with the Lord. And then we become more and more like the one he created us to be. You know, we have a free will choice. You can either be a total jerk and hate everybody your whole life and forget God and say, eh, that's not for me. Or you can say, yes, I want the Holy Spirit to guide me. I want the Lord in my life. I hate all this hatred. I hate all this derisiveness. That is okay to hate that way. All those things that are wrong and not righteous and not truthful, not honest, not loving, not kind, not compassion. You can have a detestment for those. That's allowed. You can be angry about it, but don't sin in your anger. Well, what does that mean? That means that as a Christian, here, let's, let's put this right down to brass tacks. And we'll make them all nice and shiny so you don't have a doubt out there. And those are, there are those out there that are just wandering off in this field of la-la, never night. They don't want to read anything in the Bible about anything that's hurtful or anything that's dark. They don't want to hear about the devil. Oh, you talk about the devil, that's glorifying the devil. No, it's not. It's warning others of the real enemy that is at large. And trust me in this, he is at large. He is running amok. And it's becoming increasingly more so obvious. Why is that? Because the time is drawing near and he wants as many to fail in their life as they can. And he's going to remind you that you're an absolute failure, except you're not. You just failed at some things. Repentance is your escape. It doesn't mean that you uh, get a... a a free pass to go around and rob cars or rob banks and hurt people and then say, oh, I'm sorry, God. And then you go back and you rob another bank. It doesn't, no, 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 no. Repentance is by his grace and his mercy and his love. 
and it's your escape from not being caught up in that, uh, how would we describe, oh, the centrifuge of the white noise. There's a good analogy right there because the centrifuge is around, it's like a tornado, it draws you down, it sucks you down. He works on that with me. But here's what I've shared with you also is that the more he comes to pester me, that tells me that God is working in my life and working my life around somebody, something in his plan. And it bothers Satan. So he sends his minions repeatedly, continually. And sometimes he upgrades the ante and makes it pretty darn tough. But my God walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. He holds me by his righteous, strong right hand. And he just walks with me and in everything I'm going through, my faith tells me that. It might be tough and I start to grumble a little bit, but then I'm like, thank you, Father, for this lesson. Thank you for this being with me and thank you for walking with me. Thank you for just being my good, good Father. And remember that the trials are to fortify our faith. That's like taking a lot of uh, vitamin C Take the natural stuff. Don't take all that supplemental laboratory crap that is destroying and poisoning what God intended for us in nature. God made it. It came from his mist and cabinet, but mammon says, hey, I can make it better, faster, stronger. No, you can't. You just make it more poisonous. It wasn't poison to begin with, but you're making it poison. So, enough of that little platform. It fortifies our faith. It's like fortifying our immune system with nice citrus and good um, induction of things that have zinc and material and stuff on that. Vitamin E oil, all those nice things that help to fortify our immune system. Take out and flesh out the toxins that we put into our body so much, so often. And the more we yield to the spirit of the Lord. That's his, That's when he molds us nice pottery the best. And we just need to focus on the Lord, not focus on what we should be doing, what we want to do, what, what you know, what I should do over here because the boss has got me doing this and I need to get that done and I should have that done by this date and he wants it by this time and that time. And then you go over here and he said, but I got this other project that I started over here because the, the manager wants it. Oh, goodness gracious. And then I got to, oh, I got this meeting in the church and I got to do this or I got this meeting over here and I got to go. Oh, and then Bob wants me to meet him on blah, 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 you know, and off you go to the races. God gave us a gift to a forethought that we can a pre-planning and ability. But the problem is that we get so caught up in all that pre-planning and all that worrying about what isn't even here yet. You might not be alive tomorrow to get any of it accomplished. The Bible tells us that we are not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to us. 
Lord willing, that we can walk through things. When people ask me, you know, for way, way out in advance, if I'm going to, you know, are you going to do this? Are you gonna... Lord willing, I'll be there and I'll be able to help. The Lord willing. If the Lord decides that he wants to take me home before that time, it's just hasta la vista. hope I see you later and hope that you're staying with the Lord and, and walking because then we can have that reunion in heaven that we're all promised. Lord willing. And rather than focusing on all this stuff, all this stuff, and we miss out on things that, and blessings from the Lord because we're so caught up and so pestered by all this stuff that we have allowed to come in and take our focus away. There are things that I allow to happen. I know these things are, are natural around here. And I know that the people behind the wheel of their automobiles are going to be jerks. And they're going to be foolish. And they're going to do things because they're in a hurry. And it's all about their agenda. And nobody else and nothing else matters. And yeah, I use some pretty harsh words because I see it every single day. I'm going to tell you this honestly too. Some people think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. In this particular area where I am, and in this state, and I have driven all over the country, from border to border, coast to coast. I have even driven in Japan. I've driven in Europe. And I'm going to tell you, I have seen some of the worst drivers that I've ever seen continuously driving without their lights on at night, running red lights, running stop signs, and just cutting through traffic in and out for their... It happened. But the point of it is that why allow that, allow that to be a bothersome issue? I know they're going to do it. But as a consummate professional driver, it, it does bother me. And because I, the way I am with the military and the prior, but that can't be a bother. It can't. If you can keep them safe, and this is the thing that they don't understand is that because the Holy Spirit rides with me and guides me and, and the Lord is guiding my path even through the course of my day and I have all those people that with me and I have to keep them safe but because he keeps me safe, they're safe. They don't even know that they're being blessed because they're too much of in a hurry. But those type of things that we get out there and project in front, we allow the white noise to come and interfere. So through the course of the day, I'm throwing out bullet prayers to the Holy Spirit. And I have to let that stuff, practice letting that go more. And remember, Paul writes this, study to show thyself approved. Practice meditation. It takes practice to do these things and get them down. Because we have been doing on our own, for our own, or you think you have although you don't realize that the Lord's been with you all the time. But pre-planning all this stuff and getting caught up in all this thing, remember I also shared with you this. Saul, who was anointed to be king of Israel prior to David, almost misses anointing because why? He was so wrapped up in all his stuff. All of his stuff. Where did they find him? They found him down in his, I don't know what you call it then. His 
treasury, his larder, his, you know, where he stored his stuff when he went out and he conquered folks and they took their gold and things and silver and they put it up in a locker. And he was down there in all of his stuff because his mind wandered away, not on the anointing to become king, but on his stuff. And he almost missed it. it you know, the prophet's looking at his sundial or his, uh, <laughs> on his, uh, he's got his uh, sand on the back of his wrist. He's taking a look at it. He goes, hey, this is almost run out. Where is Saul? Saul is supposed to be here. He's supposed to be here. He's getting anointed. Where? Go find Saul. Ran down to find Saul. And where was he? He was sitting in the middle of the pile of his stuff. We get that same way. Where's Bob? Where's John? Where's Joan? They're wrapped up in their stuff and you go in the den or you go in a back room and where are they at? They're, they're in there and their their hand is over their desk and their hair is pushed up through the finger and their hair is all up in the air and they're just, and they're sitting there and their head is shaking and they're all wrapped up and so confined their thoughts to the stuff. And it's a good thing that somebody came in to get him because barbecue was just done and John needed to be out in the backyard and flip all the birds and the burgers and the hot dogs for the kids. And he was too busy with all of his stuff because he got sidetracked by his stuff and went to pay attention to that and lost track of the time. Jesus came not only as a sacrifice for me and you, yes, you, sitting right there listening through this. Yeah, you, talking to you and you over there. He came to free you from this stuff and not to concentrate on that stuff. We can still get things accomplished. We still do things, but don't make that the central focus of your life. The focus on your life should be the Lord. Needs to be the Lord. He will help and guide you through things. I'm not claiming to be perfect. There are pastors that have a real honest-to-goodness, yippee campus in this world, and their chancellor assigned it. See, I, I don't have that. I have my degree is from HSU and that's the only validation I need those individuals that have the earthborn certificate certification that's in a little framed piece of artistry that hangs on their wall behind their desk in their den hey that's fine they went through a lot of study and they got that but don't get caught up in it see that's another stuff thing I'm not belittling that by any means at all. That's a lot of study. There's a lot of things. And, and depending on, on the direction that you go in that advanced study, Latin, Greek, goodness gracious, 
there's some different, and there's some hard studies that go attached. It can be a difficult one. And you know what? That's great. Laudatory. Kudos for that. However, where I have an issue with that are those that make it a point to make that a focal and that you must call them doctor. And they correct you if you don't. And they throw that in your face. Guess what? You have now made that your idol and the Lord God. Although everything that you may claim, you have made that your idol. And it makes God jealous because he says so in his word. He says, I am a jealous God. You will have no other God before me. So when you worship money, and you idolize that little certificate that's on the back wall. See, I have no certificate. My certification, my validation comes from the Lord God Almighty. He's the, he's the chancellor of Heaven Sent University. He is the guy who made it happen. Jesus Christ is right up in there. And the Holy Spirit is the is the dean of teachers and the head of all teachers, the teacher of teachers, as I've heard that terminology used, um, describing individuals. Teacher of teachers is the Holy Spirit. My chancellor, my vice chancellor is the Lord God Almighty and Jesus. That is where my degree comes from. That's the only validation I need. I don't need a certificate hanging on the wall in a little frame of the piece of glass over it saying that I have this signed by so-and-so schmucky schmuck. And he says that now I'm a theological genius. Well, when you shove that down somebody's throat, you're shoving your idolatry down their throat. So knock it off, get in the word, study the word, and just share the truth. Nobody needs to know that you have a doctorate. It's nice to know. And I appreciate the fact that my pastor and his wife also got hers. I think I remember him saying that a few weeks ago, she has obtained her doctorate. But you know what? As I've also shared with you, I love their earthy heart. Well, that's a good term, earthy heart, because they don't put themselves above us. Their daughter shared a message Sunday. It's more anecdotal than, than all that, but her, you know, she's got a favorite in Romans. And she's a teacher. Oh my gosh. And her heart for the kids and the things that this woman has gone through. Not only with the children that she teaches, but with her own children. Wow. And the bonus to this package is that mom and dad not only are the, the lead pastor of our church and his wife, the first lady of our church, yeah, that's legal, and the first child of our church, but their daughter is married to our worship leader, our worship pastor, the guy that gets and binds some music. I mean, how cool is that? And not only that, but they teach and they speak from the heart. This isn't a game thing. And they don't remind people that they're a doctor, that they have a doctorate. No, the daughter does not, I don't think. I don't know. Never asked her. It's none of my business, really. But they don't remind people that they're, they have doctorates. 
because they teach from the heart. They don't teach from their degree. And I like learning from him because he doesn't shove it down my throat. And he hears things that I have to say and he listens as opposed to those who idolize their, their uh, theological degree in that little piece of paper, those that idolize that have a tendency to remind people all the time that they are a doctor so-and-so and that um, you know they don't want to hear what you have to say. They're very abrupt sometimes in a way they cut you off. Actually pretty rude about it. See, those are the, those are the ones that have those little degrees that I have issue with. They need to get back in the real world. They need to get back in the word. They need to be in their prayer and they need to get all this stuff going. See, so pastors are not perfect. You have to study and meditating. Practice meditation. Keep the Lord in your mind. Study to show thyself approved. And you know what? For those holier-than-thou individuals, which many do, think themselves, you must study all the time. Let me share this with you. In my learning, in my life, something new pops out of this Bible every single time that I go through, and the Holy Spirit will draw me to, uh, uh, to verses. I've highlighted them. But all of a sudden they come out and they're new, they're fresh and it's different. I said, I don't remember doing that. And what's very cool too sometimes is this, this is my father's study Bible. I was given this by my mother after my father passed. And I like this because I find his notes in here sometimes that I never noticed before flipping through. And the Holy Spirit points these things out to me because they were important to him. And I find that they're important to me as well. So this guy, Jesus, we're talking about. See, this is the problem that the Sanhedrin had with him. And they made a point to, to zap him with this all the time. And they came and they questioned him all the time. Well, where did you study? What school did you go to? Who was your rabbi? Who taught you? What do you think you're about? How, do you da how dare you preach and teach us? And who do you think you are that... You're coming in and you declare yourself the son of man, which is a term that's given, first time I think it was in Daniel, referred to the Lord as the son of man. And where do you get off telling people that their sins are forgiven? And that Jesus just flatly taught him, he says, is it easier to say that or easier to say, get up and take your bed and go home? And then you're going to accuse me of performing a miracle without your permission. Jesus was at odds constantly with the Sanhedrin. And why? Because of their arrogance, their self-worth. And many people didn't like him. Why? We'll explore that for a second. Because they had no connection with the people. They were so concerned. The Sadducees especially were so concerned in the books of law. If you violated the law as they saw fit, you could be stoned to death depending on the severity. And they decided what the severity was. You could be stoned to death. Oh my goodness. 
So you have these arrogant individuals, and if I may be so bold as to say that flashing their doctorate around, but see, they didn't have a little certification. They, maybe they had some, um, they had papyrus that was written on and, and they kept it in a desk or something. But they ran around in trappings. Jesus talks about their trappings. They like to wear certain things because then people see what they are. They don't see who they are. Ah, there's an important point. They don't see who they are. They see what they are. There is a difference. There's a big difference. Because not all of those individuals that wore those trappings that were decided upon by some mucky muck that they were going to wear these so everybody could tell who they were. Not everyone that wears that in their heart and in their mind is of what they are, but who they are. They like to be in connection with people. They actually do that, but they don't do it openly because if they're seen openly to do that, they will be, I don't know what the term would be in those days, excommunicated for doing something like that. They can be a blasphemer. They could even possibly be stoned depending on what they did. And you see that this is something that they were, Jesus was trying to get them to understand. Quit being a what you are and be a who you are. On the road and the parable of the Good Samaritan, which actually was a true thing, but God turned it into, a, or you know, the Lord turned it into a teaching thing. God, Jesus, one and the same. Turned it into a teaching thing. They didn't get it. This is because the priest came from the synagogue, walked around this guy, the Levite, who was the caretaker of the synagogue. Let's put it in a more modern term. The janitorial safekeeper of the synagogue. Yeah, the janitor thought himself too high and elevated to come near this guy. They walked around him. They made a point to cross the road so as not to be so close to him that the air that he was breathing would contaminate them and that they would become unclean. They didn't know if it was clean or unclean. Why? Because they were too busy being a what they were, not a who they are. Too busy to be a what they are than to be a person, to be a relationship, to be with somebody. And then the Samaritan, who is related, this, this, this blows me away the more I read about it, is that the Samaritans were actually related in that well that Jesus met the Samaritan woman at. Jacob dug it. Jacob's well. They're related. But they were at odds with each other because of the idolatry and the false teachings and things that went on. And then uh, the jury, they got all upset about it and they went at odds with them and then they started fighting. And then this thing went on for decades and decades and decades. And But you know, Jesus went in Samaria. He met the Samaritan woman and then he taught there. This wasn't about what you are. It's about who you are. You are a person. Jesus came to this plane of existence to be a person. He walked this earth as a man. He was tempted as a man. He walked and he talked and he ate. He enjoyed relationships with people. This is what he could not get the Pharisees to understand. 
when they tried to point their finger at him for those people that he was hanging out with because they wouldn't hang out with him just being seen around them. Oh my gosh, what they would have to explain. Why? You're being a person. You're not being a closed off, arrogant jackass. Let's put it bluntly. Let's put it plain. That's the way I speak. You would be a donkey. Is that more polite? Don't get your knickers in the twist when I say words like jackass or crap. That's plain English, is about as plain as it gets and earthly understanding. Sure, a lot of pastors might not, but that's I'm not a lot of pastors. Jesus wasn't about what he is because he knew what he is. He knew that he is the only begotten son of God. He knew, or he knows, that he is the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings. He has been given that authority. He has that authority. He knows. He doesn't have to prove it to anybody. And the only reason that he was doing what he was doing is trying to show the compassion and that he's here for us and that it is real life. Where's this now? I, I read this somewhere. I'm trying to remember where I, maybe it was a posting. A lion does not have to wander around roaring at every time he meets something or someone for them to know that he's a lion. And we're talking about the king of beasts, not the queen, the, the leader of the pride, because the reality is in the lion's pride, the females, the she's a honcho. She's rearing the kids, and but the male lion is the leader of the pride, and he does the fighting and sometimes, most of the time. But a lion doesn't have to walk around roaring at every opportunity. I mean, they do when they're hungry and they get out there in the bush and there's a point when they're hunting. I shared this with you when they're out in the bush and they can smell their prey, but it's in hiding and they can't quite find it because there's a lot of sense and it's confusing. So they start this loud roaring. And if you've ever heard it at night, let me tell you something. It is bone chilling. I mean, you can feel that icy stab all the way to the bone. But a lion doesn't have to do that every single time it goes out. Animals can smell it and they see it and they know, ooh, that's the king of the beasts right there. It's time ago. And they go and they run the other way or they walk and out the other direction. And if they're members of his own pride and he is the alpha male, they will, they do, they bow. They actually bow. Or they turn and turn their head aside or down, but they bow to the king. Jesus, my Lord, my king of kings, my savior, my redeemer, my salvation, the lamb of God that came and was sacrificed for me does not have to do that. He comes with his authority. And I've shared this with you before. His authority precedes him. He doesn't need an introduction when he came to the demons that possessed the man in the tombs. They didn't come out and da 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 da. Lord Jesus is here and he wants to see you, man in the tombs, you that's running around naked, you that breaks the chains and the ropes and bonds. Come and kneel down before the Lord. There was none of that. 
He simply approached and the man threw himself down at Jesus' feet. And he says, we know who you are, Jesus, thou son of God. Hast thou come to destroy us? They knew who he was because of his authority. He didn't come in with the sounding of brass and trumpets and drums, clashing the cymbals and the tendrils. He didn't come hollering out, I'm Jesus, I'm here to chase the demons out of you. Come here, man in the tombs, running around naked with no clothes and chains and ropes all attached because you keep breaking them and you hurt people. I'm here, come to me. There was none of that going on. He simply walked out and they knew who he was. The minions of hell knew the authority of the Lord. How do you suppose they knew that? Well, I'm going to tell you. When Jesus was baptized and he went out into the wilderness for 40 days, he wandered around out there and he fasted. And Satan came and tried to tempt him. Satan went because why? Because he knew who Jesus is. And was at that time he knew. And he knows now. This is why he's trying so hard to get us all to perish. Satan knew, but that's why he went himself. He said, hey, hey, hey. No, no, no. You Chaldeans and you snakes and scorpions, you just... Wander back over in the corner. You hang out here for a little while. I got to go deal with this because that is Jesus. That's Christ, anointed of God. And you know who he is. He's the one that gave us the boot out of heaven. So I'm going to go deal with this myself. I'll be back in a minute. This should take no time at all. And he went and tempted Jesus because Jesus had import. Jesus had authority. And... When he failed, don't you think that he went and he kicked his serpents and scorpions around and was all sort of ticked off and angry? Oh, yeah. He was kicking his minions around and he was hollering at them and he made sure that they knew who Jesus is. They had it imprinted in their brains that they knew who Jesus was. They knew what his authority was and they better watch out. So, that being said, whenever Jesus encountered demoniacs or the demons knew who he was. They know who he is. And they declared it openly. When he called those demons out, you tell me your name. We're legion because there's a bunch of us and we're going to tackle you and boom. <laughs> no, they did not. His authority took hold and cast them out. He cleansed the leper. He healed the lame. He healed the blind. And he healed my soul. He came for me. He came for you. Yes, you sitting over there, you sitting over there, and you sitting over there and all listening to this. He came for each of us. Make the word of God a personal word to you and you can do so and it does not offend God that you do that when it talks in certain ways for God so loved me that he sent his holy begotten son that I should not perish and have everlasting life 
make it a personal scripture, and God is not offended. He is a very personal, and when he comes, he's very personal. He's a good, good father. My Lord Jesus is my Lord King, but he's personal. He's not what he is, it's a who he is. He is my friend. He is my Savior. He is my King. He is my Lord. He's my salvation. He is that to each and every single one of you. Those of you that are not the label tape on the forehead Christian, but are true Christians and believers, you will know that in your heart because he tells you that. Unlike many of these out there that declare their doctorate and their authority because they're a theological doctorate, Ah, hogwash. That piece of paper doesn't mean anything. Your heart is what matters. It's not what you are. It's a who you are. God determined the tonation of each individual's skin. We, because of our freedom of choice that our Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, came to ensure the character of our heart is what we decide. Are you going to choose to be that? Remember, I, I shared this little parabolic story with you. Are you going to be the white dog or the black dog? It's got nothing to do with race, so don't get your knickers in a twist all about that. This has got to do with personality. White being toward the light, showing out light, reflecting light. Are you going to be the black dog, the darkness, hatred, and anger? Remember the two? Young man was having this dream, couldn't figure out what it was. And he was trying to get the pastor to help him out. And remember, in conjunction with that, I shared from one of my teachers who I, I love this guy's speaking, and he was talking about the good and the bad. So his was a little bit different. He shared before about the dog, but but it was the, it's the character of the heart that matters. That's what matters to God. It doesn't matter your little piece of paper with your degree. Quite honestly, he could care less. The word of God tells us that he is a respecter of no man. And for those of you that out there like to get all in a twist about stuff, here, let's rephrase this. He has no gender preference toward one or the other or what you have or what you have not. And in the old English way, the way it was, he is a respecter of no man. Which means he doesn't care how many houses you have, how many camels you have, how many horses you have. He doesn't care how many Teslas you have parked in the garage. He doesn't care how many house cleaners you have or how many butlers you have. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care what you profess to have in the bank, which 95% of the time isn't yours anyway. It belongs to the bank. But he didn't care about any of that. He didn't care that. And many people like to parade around that way. Even the ones, <clears throat> pardon me, even the ones that everybody claims, oh, she's so lovely, he's so lovely. Look at all this stuff that they do. Why are they doing it? Are they doing it because of who they are or what they are? They're a celebrity and they want recognition and they want to be seen. 
sometimes that's pretty obvious and pretty blatant, actually. They do what they do for photo-opportunistic instances and timing. That's all it's about. It's not really about who, it's about what. What are they getting? Attention. They're idolizing me. Don't worry about what is all that stuff. All that stuff. And one thing here in, in the reading is that don't worry about what's on the road up ahead. <laughs> what does that talk about? That talks about pre-planning. You're always worried about what's around the bend. What's down the road. You can pre-plan it and prepare, but Lord willing that you don't ever have to get wrapped up in the action that's around the blind curve. And if there's a detour in the road, which, oh, so many people get agitated and upset about. Even those with that label tapped to their forehead that says, I'm a Christian on it, or just says Christian. Why do you have to keep putting that label up there and let everybody know? What's that about? That's like that roaring lion. You're roaring to let people know. If you are, you shouldn't have to let them know. It's your actions. Are you a people or a what? Are you a person or a what? And when you put that label on, you're pretty much just not much better than the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. They want people to know so that they, oh, oh, oh. And a lot of times, guess what? <laughs> That's a backfire because there's individuals when they find out you are, Oh, was that a gunshot? Oh, yeah. There are countries where they find out and you are shot dead. You're on the street and you're carrying a Bible. You are shot dead. No questions asked. Yes, that's the truth. Yes, it's happening now. And this is a dark place. But we have a light. That light that is within. And as John declares in 8.32... Well, let's read a little bit further before I jump down to that. The Lord wants us not to worry about what's on the road, but we find our security in knowing Him. Not knowing what, knowing Him. If you know me, then you know the truth, and you know that I came to set you free. Jesus is not a what. Jesus was, is, and always will be a who. He was the Messiah. He was a teacher. He was the sacrificial lamb. Now he's my king. Now he's the Lord of lords. The king of the hosts of heaven. And he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when it comes time for him to return for me, you will hear the trumpet sound, the heavens split, and the host that he comes out with. You will see the king. John eight thirty two. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And John, I... I need to get in here more with y'all and share this with you because John is 
from what I've read and, and things I've seen and, and, and learned, John was really close to the Lord. He stayed close to him and, and he's theologians, those guys with their degrees have decided they, that, uh, and some of these are also many, many, many years ago, decades ago, actually, before some of these new guys um, were talking about even into centuries old, they decided that they were going to call him John the Beloved. Why was he called that? He was called that because he spent very close time with Jesus. He he was very, very close to him. And, and if you notice that there was uh, Leonardo da Vinci's thing, The Last Supper, you see John and you see how close that he was in that painting to Jesus. I mean, he was leaning on him. So, I'm going to read, actually, John. Actually, I'm going to go back here. I'm going to go to John 1. 1. This tells you more. Who this guy is. This guy. Not this what. Not this object. This guy. This man. My Lord. My Savior. My Redeemer. The King of Kings. The Lion of the Tribe of Judah. John the Baptist, or some call him John the Baptizer, pointed at Jesus, pointed him out when he came to the river, before he went out into the desert and whooped up on Satan. He said, lo, it is the Lamb of God whose sandals I am not fit to latch. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth. In darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then it goes on to describe there was a man that was sent from God, whose name was John. Not the same John that wrote this gospel, but this was John the Baptist. And he was sent as a witness. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's who Jesus is. That's who he was, and that's who he is. That's who he was from the beginning, the word of God. And he stood before the Sanhedrin, and he shared that with them, and they didn't get it. These haughty, arrogant individuals that 
are what they are. And they called him a blasphemer, a sinner for declaring to be the son of man and for declaring to be the son of God. That doesn't mean that all the Sanhedrin were all up in arms against them, but they, the ones that were believing and questioning their own belief and actually came to question their faith and what they were believing because of Jesus. But as I said, they had to keep it on the down low. Why? Because they could have been stoned to death. They could have even been taken and held in custody and crucified on the mount with him. That's how arrogant and how deep their arrogance went. But as it says in John 8 and 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8 and 26, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. These things that Jesus shared with the Sanhedrin all the time, where do you think he heard it? He heard it God. He practiced the parabolic speech he had. If you go back to the Old Testament, you will actually see that God spoke parabolically. In many instances. So where do you think Jesus learned? Where do you think Jesus got it? Got it from God the Father. He was with him and God was speaking and he was hearing and he was shared it when he came. Because that's what God did. That's what he got from God. I have many things to say to you, judge of you, but he that sent me is true and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And this is where they're profound lack of understanding came in where some of these arrogance and the Sanhedrin and, and others came about. In 833, Jesus continued speaking and he shared with him, so get into John, be blessed, have a good day, I don't want to get too far out. And y'all get into the book of John. It's really awesome. And talks about who this guy is. I'll share some more with you.